Welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy, the podcast that empowers you to transform life's challenges into opportunities for personal growth and healthier relationships. We're your hosts, Tim and Ruth Olson, licensed marriage and family therapists and trauma experts. As experienced therapists with backgrounds in addressing trauma and mental health disorders, we believe there is hope and there certainly is healing. We've spent our lives supporting people through the ups and downs, and we want to share these insights with you. Together, we'll unravel the layers of personal growth healing from trauma, and building healthy relationships. Each week, we'll bring you engaging conversations, expert insights, and practical strategies to help you heal from the past, foster healthy communication, and develop enduring love. This podcast is your guide to transforming adversity into triumph, healing wounds and past trauma, gaining wisdom and insight, and creating meaningful, fulfilling connections. So if you're here to heal, to better understand yourself or your relationships, you're in the right place. So sit back, get comfortable, bring your trauma and your drama, and let's start healing. Welcome Welcome to to Mr. and Mrs. Mrs. Therapy. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. We're very excited to have you here today with us. If you haven't already, please take a little bit of time and give us a review on Apple Podcast. It helps our podcast grow and helps more people to find information that can help them out. Today's topic we're going to be discussing three little things that you're doing on a daily basis that are negatively impacting your mental health. Now, I know we've talked about in the past how there are so many different facets to being happy or to struggling emotionally. And what we're going to be talking about today are just these little things that I think most people are doing, but not really realizing how much they're negatively affecting them. And I think that if you just take some time over the next week and you start to try to curb some of these behaviors, you can get a noticeable difference in how you're feeling just in general on a daily basis. These three things are all around us. They're just pervasive in our culture, especially the last two. And so as we talk through it today, we know that it's a part of our culture that we can certainly use for our benefit. But too much of a good thing could be very unhealthy, and you can see the effects on your mood. And so we really just want to talk about them today and bring them to your awareness because they're probably things that you're just doing every day throughout your day. The first thing is the impact of posture and presentation on our mood and our confidence. And this has a lot of different ways that we can look at it, right? We can look at it from the stance of the perspective of other people and how other people see us depending on our presentation and our posture. And I think another facet of it is how this presentation and posture shows what we're feeling, but also affects our mood and our confidence. If we're feeling kind of crummy and not having a great day, then we're kind of slouching and walking around. Maybe our face is a certain way. Maybe we don't dress for the day. Then we're showing our mood. And then that can affect how people respond to us, which then can affect our mood. But the other part of it is... Say you're not necessarily in a bad mood or you're not feeling sad or depressed, but you start slouching or you don't get dressed for the day and you feel kind of scrubby throughout the day. Then even though you didn't feel that way, that may affect your mood and cause you to feel a little more lazy or lackadaisical or maybe a little more depressed. And so the first example, I think it shows how we're feeling, but it is cyclical in that even if we're not feeling that way, our presentation and posture can then impact our mood. Not only impact our mood, but research shows that when your shoulders are kind of slouched and hunched over and your head is hanging, 
that it actually makes it more likely that you're going to remember negative or bad events. So there's this connection with this body posture and how you're holding yourself and what you're going to have a tendency to think about. Versus if you hold your shoulders back and you have your head up high, you're more likely to think about positive thoughts and then also to feel better than as a result. And it's interesting to think about when you are slouching your shoulders and you're hanging your head, this requires less physical effort from you. But also I think if you're feeling bad, you're less likely to do it because you don't have the emotional effort or energy to even push into your body to keep your shoulders back and keep your head up. Now, keeping your shoulders back and your head up does take more muscle effort to do it. And you could just do an experiment and just feel it when you move your body into that position. It requires me to do something extra to keep my head up and keep my shoulders back. But when you do that, it makes you feel better. Also, the presentation to other people around you is stronger and more confident. And so people will interact with you in tending to be more positive and pleasant ways. There's this very interesting experience that I had had. I worked at this company and we do in-home and in-school services on a regular basis. And I remember I had a colleague there. He was quite a bit taller than me. He was a very nice guy, very pleasant to interact with. But we had just wildly different interactions with school staff and parents. And I remember sitting there trying to think, why is he having so many negative interactions? Because he was a nice guy. I couldn't imagine he was ever doing something that would elicit people to be more harsh with him than they were with me. But he was regularly having these negative interactions. But then I remember reading about and hearing the study about the way that you hold your body, how it causes other people to interact differently with you. Now, this guy had a tendency to kind of really hunch over his shoulders a lot and lean his head down. And even though he was like five or six inches taller than me, he would regularly get these negative interactions with people. And when I read that study that people see that as a presentation of weakness and it actually draws them out to be more aggressive towards you, I remember thinking, this must be the thing. This must be what's actually happening where he is slouching his shoulders and kind of hanging his head. And he's telling me stories where people are much more aggressive with him Versus for me, I was almost like, man, I can hardly even believe these stories you're telling me because people are never interacting with me that way. They're never really talking to me that way. And we're working in the same schools, in the same areas with the same demographic of family. But then after hearing about the study, then I was like, okay, yeah, I can see the difference where even though he's a much taller, seemingly more imposing person because of how he was caring versus how I was carrying myself, I never really had those same interactions that he had. So when all things are considered, if you feel like, man, I'm running into it and I feel like just people are constantly on my case or giving me a hard time, but I can't think of or identify any behaviors that I'm exhibiting that's causing people to do this as far as like how you're interacting with them, but just stop and think about what is your body language when you're interacting with these people. And if you're presenting off that kind of almost weak tone by having your shoulders hunched over or your head hung down, then you may be inadvertently inviting conflict from these people. Right. And a lot of times we talk about how trauma is stored in our body. There's that book we've recommended many times, The Body Keeps the Score. That's the same thing as with trauma. Our mood and our emotions are physically stored in our body. And our posture can directly influence how we're feeling. And we all have this muscle memory and the way that our body will naturally fall. So it takes attention and it takes awareness to be able to change this. Because I was just telling Tim, when I edit the podcast... I naturally will kind of slouch and lean forward so I can see the different things on the screen that I have to look at. But I can consistently notice I'm doing that. So I have to intentionally be aware of it and bring my head back and change my posture. Because every time I sit down to edit, it's the same position that I automatically go to. I want you to take a minute 
take three deep breaths in, just in through your nose, out through your mouth. So take in as much air through your nose as you can, and then breathe that all out. And do that three times. And then I want you to readjust your posture in a way that you're sitting up taller, and you pull your head back so it's not kind of out front hanging out and all that weight is on, you know, your neck and your back. And so in addition to mood, this can also help protect your physical health. And so when you do that, are you able to recognize the difference in how you feel? A lot of people call that the power pose, right? When you stand tall and confident. And this is a great thing to be aware of just throughout the day. But especially when you're facing something that's difficult or you have a phone call that's coming up or someone that you have to encounter that you know you just struggle with, or maybe you can feel some of the symptoms of depression and anxiety coming on. Do that. Just take a minute, take those deep breaths in and out, and change your posture and see if you feel differently. And obviously, this is just a small piece to the bigger puzzle. But just like we introduced, this is just a little thing that you can change that can significantly improve your mood. So another thing that we want to address along with this is how are you dressed and how are you presenting yourself? Now, this may sound funny, but just going out in sweats and things like that is fine. You can go and do that, but it does have a negative effect on your mental health. People who dress more professionally have a tendency to act more professionally and feel more competent compared to somebody who dresses less professionally. Right. And so their interactions are also different. And so even something as small as what are you choosing to wear today can affect how you're feeling. If the thing that you're wearing, you feel kind of frumpy or you're even questioning what other people are going to think about what you're wearing, that's taking a mental and emotional toll on you. Versus if you get ready and you feel more presentable, that's going to then make you feel better just throughout the rest of the day. One, because you're having less taxing thoughts about what are people going to be thinking about me with what I'm wearing. And then two, on top of that, you're just going to feel better because you put in some of the extra effort to look nice for that day. And so these two different things with your body posture and then how are you dressing can either give you an extra boost in how you're feeling that day, or they can be an extra weight that's holding you down throughout the day. The next thing, and I think basically everybody struggles with this, is internet, social media use, and media multitasking. Now, I think that after the advent of the smartphone, that this has become a much deeper problem for people compared to when you had to like around a laptop or you had a PC or something like that. But now because accessing it is so easy and it's almost always within hand reach, that the probability that you're going to get on your phone and start scrolling through the internet or social media or something along that lines is very high. Now, one of the things about being really in contact with social media frequently, even if the stuff that you are exposing yourself to is pretty much exclusively positive and happy. A part of the problem is that it has a wear and tear on you that you're not really fully aware of. A major thing that's happening when you're scrolling through social media is you stop, you look at the post, and then maybe you might want to read somebody's comments on the post, and then maybe you think about your own comment, and then maybe you want to like it, or are you going to choose to scroll on by? Now, with just one possible interaction with one post, there's three or four different decisions that can happen in a relatively short time frame. And the more decisions you make throughout the day, the more emotionally taxing it is on you. But those three or four decisions that you're making about social media 
and about whether you're going to continue to view the post, whether you're going to scroll by, whether you're going to like, whether you're going to comment, whether you're going to stop and read the comments, all of those different things, those are taking emotional energy away from you scroll by scroll by scroll because you're having to make all these different decisions. They're small, minute, insignificant decisions, but it is still taking emotional reserves from you in order to constantly be looking at thinking and making choices and decisions, which is very different compared to just sitting down and watching a television program. You turn it on and you're watching and there's no decisions to be made. You're just experiencing something. And so social media is much more engaging. It can keep your attention much better, but there's a toll to that attention that it's grabbing versus doing something like watching TV that's not requiring any additional decisions past the choice of what show that you're going to watch. And so watching TV actually can be more relaxing and less draining comparatively to being on social media. And even at that, we were talking about how sometimes when you're watching TV, if you're also on your phone, then whatever show you're watching, you're not fully able to enjoy it. Right, I remember hearing somebody say that people are consuming two types of media at the same time, but then they're enjoying neither. And I think this is an interesting thing, too, because when you're watching TV and scrolling through social media, then there's additional decisions that you have to make. Should I pay attention to this scene or is this scene kind of boring and uninteresting? And so that adds an extra layer of decision that is then stealing more emotional energy from you. Plus, then on top of it, you're taking this time to try and watch this show or engage with the show. And then you're not really paying attention. You're not getting any relaxing effect or you're missing out on a lot of potential entertainment value that you could be getting because you're not watching it. So then all of a sudden you watch a show, you're there for an hour or whatever, and then poof, this time is gone. But then it hasn't really accomplished the desired end result. Oh, yeah. And I think another thing is you're missing out on opportunities to engage with each other. So Usually I am really good about putting my phone down and not multitasking when we're watching a show together. But the other night I was so upset because I had been working on a craft project and I did not save it or somehow I lost the entire file on my computer. So we were watching a show that we normally love to watch together and I was working on this as well and the show ended. And so I don't feel like I truly got to enjoy the show, but also it's one of those shows where we stop and we talk about it and we think, oh my gosh, this person should have done this. And we have great conversations in between, but we didn't have that. So normally something that is engaging and something we're doing together, because I was multitasking and I wasn't fully paying attention to it, we didn't have that. And it was just a missed opportunity, I think. And this is also something I think you could do a little bit of an experiment with too, where you just take even a week where you're going to set apart several different times a day where you're not going to be on your phone or if you're sitting down watching TV, you just either shut your phone off or you put it far away from you so that you just can't buy muscle memory, grab it, pick it up, and then look at it. Because again, a part of the reason why we're on them so much is just because of that ease of access. Actually, remember, there's a guy we used to go to church with and he had this really long password on his phone. And I remember watching him type this password into his phone and it took him <laughs> almost like a minute to put it in. And I asked him, I said, well, why do you have such a long password on your phone? And he said, well, my password is something along the lines of, like, God is always first in my life or something long like that. And he said the reason why he had that was to make it more difficult, less pleasant to get on his phone so that he'd be less likely to. But then also the password was making him think about God first and trying to have God at a higher priority than what his phone is. And so something even just like that, where you put in an inconvenient password where it's not just facial recognition or a biometric scan of your thumb or whatever, 
that it takes extra time and effort to get in there can help kind of pause you and give you a little bit more time in between. Hey, is this really important enough for me to pick my phone up or am I just doing this out of muscle memory and habit? And going back to talking about missed opportunities, I think this happens a lot out and about. And I know that for our kids specifically, we don't really give them our phones. They don't have their own phones or tablets. But we are working on learning, you know, the state capitals and all the information about each state. And so I found this game that I thought, oh, it'd be so great for them to learn it. One of my favorite quotes for homeschooling is, in fact, according to research by Dr. Karen Purvis, scientists have discovered that it takes approximately 400 repetitions to create a new synapse in the brain, unless it's done in play, in which case it only takes 10 to 20 repetitions, which is crazy to me. So I had downloaded this app specifically for them to learn their states. And this is the first time that I let them play it. And we were just waiting for our order at a place. So I let the kids use it and they were taking turns uh, for five minutes at a time. And I saw this older couple. I thought that would have been such a great interaction for my kid just to be able to look up and acknowledge and say hello because they were kind of looking over and wanting to, you know, address them. And so afterwards, I did have a conversation with them about that. But I think that that was a missed opportunity or a missed interaction that they could have had. And maybe that's coming from an extrovert who loves these interactions. But I think also as a mom, wanting to teach my kids, what is the etiquette socially, right? Like when we're out and about teaching them, you know, you don't cross the street and look at your phone. Or even as we were walking into this restaurant, they were looking at the phone because I just told them that they could start to play this. And I should have had them wait and walk in, be able to address whoever is around them, you know, be polite, hold the door open for people, and then sit down and they could have done it. So I do think a lot of what's in our society with social media and the internet and our phones, there are so many missed opportunities for connection. And I think that's an important thing to note, too, is that I think a lot of people are struggling with a lot of mental health issues because they don't have enough social interactions or contact. And a lot of our interactions on social media are replacing our social contact with people in real life, but they don't actually replace it. It's like a cheap counterfeit. It really doesn't have the same value as those one-on-one or those group-type interactions. And again, this is coming from somebody who's an introvert who tends to like to shy away from that, but those are still necessary and important, those social face-to-face interactions with people in order for us to be mentally healthy. The last thing we want to talk about is headline stress. And one of the things I think about this, especially that have ramped up over the last couple of years, is the amount of news and media that people consume. Now, don't get me wrong, being informed and knowing what's going on in the world is important. You don't want to just stick your head in the sand and have no idea what's happening. But the amount of news and the amount of news that is negative that people are consuming is just kind of off the charts. And it really is unhelpful, the amount of time we can spend listening and watching the news, because When we are constantly consuming something that is almost exclusively negative, that's going to have an impact on our mental health. The more things that you're just constantly hearing about and seeing that's awful and sad and tragic, that you also have basically no power to control or shift or to help with that, it makes people feel more and more powerless. And especially when you're listening to national news, there's so many bad things that happen at a national or an international level that are just crazy to comprehend. But then when you bring it more down to a local level, there's a lot less negativity that's happening right in your local area. 
But if you're paying attention to this national and international news, there's always some horrific, awful, tragic thing that's happening that you have very little power or control over versus in your local area, there's more things that you actually may be able to do to help out with some local issue that is happening, or there's less likely to be so many tragic events you're going to be hearing about in your local area because there's just not really that many awful things that happen right around you. Don't get me wrong. There's definitely times where there might be a lot of rough things that are happening, but especially when we're paying attention to that national or international level, you're going to be just constantly bombarded by awful, awful, awful. And if you think you can just sustain this wave of awful and not be negatively affected by it, just try taking a week or a month off from paying attention to the news at all and see how much it might positively affect your mood or how you're feeling on a regular day-to-day -day basis. You might all of a sudden start finding yourself feeling much more hopeful because your brain isn't constantly being depressed by all these terrible things it's hearing about. So this was something that I had actually done a little while ago. I had been consuming a lot of news. And I realized we were going to be coming up to a pretty rough round of news cycle. And I was just like, you know what? I'm just not interested. And I just kind of went total media blackout. I went on all my social media and adjusted groups or things I was interested in to avoid consuming any news. I stopped listening to podcasts or watching network news or anything like that. I just kind of cut it all out. And I was completely zeroed out for, I would say, about six months. And I remember probably a month in, I was like, man, I feel a lot better. And this is when there was an awful, awful, awful news cycle that was going on. But I wasn't really affected by the awful news because I wasn't paying attention to the awful news. Now, don't get me wrong. People were affected by some of the things that were happening, but I wasn't really affected by it. So I wasn't incurring a negative emotional toll for something that wasn't really affecting or happening in my life. It made my experience in my little corner of the world feel a whole lot better. And so one of the things is you might want to try is doing what I did, where it's just, hey, I'm going to do kind of a media blackout. And again, I'm not saying that you shouldn't be informed on things at all, but if you're way over consuming it, it is going to be negatively impacting you emotionally. All right. So let's recap the three little things that could be affecting your mood and your emotions. The first is your posture and presentation. The second is internet use and media multitasking. And the third is headline stress. Just constantly being bombarded with stressful headlines can definitely affect your mental health. And so this week, just pick one of those things and start there and be aware and intentional with the changes that you make. All right, you guys, have a great day. And remember, your mind is a powerful thing. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. We hope that you enjoyed today's episode and found it helpful. If so, would you take 30 seconds and share it with a friend? Also, we'd love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcast. It lights us up to know that this podcast is helping you. If you have any questions or a topic you'd like discussed in future episodes, visit our Facebook group. Just click the link in the description below. Although we are mental health providers, this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide diagnosis or treatment. If you are struggling with persistent mental health issues, chronic marital issues, or feeling hopeless or suicidal, you are not alone. Help is available. Please seek professional help or call the National Suicide Hotline at 988. Thank you again for joining us on Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. Remember, there's always hope and there's always help.